Do not let your hearts be troubled. That's the first line of the gospel I just read. And what a, what a word for where we are today. I dare say everyone around the globe is living with troubled hearts. I certainly have a heart full of anxiety, and we're all wrestling with fear, uncertainty, and the weight of unknowingness around what's to come. It's almost as if the people who set up the schedule for Sunday readings eons ago somehow knew that on the fifth Sunday of Easter in 2020 and Mother's Day to boot, that the world would be in the grips of a pandemic and that we, the people, would desperately need Jesus at his most pastoral and comforting best. That we would need his loving and motherly hand guiding us and reassuring us that he will always be with us as we move forward amidst all troubles. Today, as a church, as a city, a nation, a world, we don't know the way forward. We don't know what our lives are going to look like in the months or weeks to come, even in the year to come or years to come. And we don't even know for sure what we can or cannot plan for or what we will or will not be able to do. Like this weekend, the trail's open. Yay, we can go hiking. But are they getting overrun? Will they be shut down again next week? Can we even plan to go for a walk on trails in the coming days? And we don't know what work or schools or church or anything will be like, what our health will be like. This is new terrain and uncharted terrain on every level, not just our health and the life and death issues there around the virus. This is uncharted personal, societal, political, economic terrain. There's a professor at Fuller Seminary who holds up the story of Lewis and Clark exploring the West as a way to think about how to move forward. It's a way he uses their story of exploring the land of the west of the Mississippi, Mississippi as a way to think about how to encounter the landscape of life when it shifts from what we know to the total unknown. So Thomas Jefferson had commissioned Lewis and Clark to locate a water route from the Mississippi all the way out to the Pacific. And they didn't know that the Rocky Mountains were in the way. And when they bumped into the Rocky Mountains, they discovered that the streams dried up, there was no river that went over, and everything they knew about leading expeditions on water was now irrelevant. So at the foot of the mountains, they had a choice. They turned the canoes around and report, you know, here's the truth, we can't get through, there is no waterway. Or would they adapt? Would they get brave and just get out of the canoes and go explore mountainous terrain. To take that leap into the completely unfamiliar territory for which they were not prepared, they'd have to leave behind everything they used to rely on. They'd have to find a new way to move forward. And they had to, they did choose to keep going and they did ultimately make it to the other side and of the mountains and out here to the Pacific Ocean. But to do that, they had to dig deep inside and discover and then build new skills and new partner, partnerships like with Sacagawea. 
They had to let go of business as usual and learn to adapt and creatively respond to the reality of the mountains and the new landscape and things not being as they predicted or expected. Now to stretch this maybe a little too far, we could think of the disciples having been with Jesus up until this night before his crucifixion. Think of them as being with Jesus in their familiar or now familiar ministry canoes, exploring new spiritual territory together. Yet here they are at the foot of their mountain, which is the night before his crucifixion, and Jesus is saying goodbye. Jesus is telling them the landscape of life with me here is, will be no more. And that's what happens right up until the passage we heard today. He says, I'm going. Do not let your heart be troubled because I will be taking you with me. The ultimate truth, he tells them, is that I will still be with you. It's just going to be in a new way. And there's all this beautiful imagery about dwelling and abiding together. Jesus saying he will be with his Father, abiding with God. And that the Father is in me, Jesus, and I, Jesus, am in the Father. This is unbelievable intimacy and oneness. And more incredibly, that oneness is there, he says, for the disciples. And that oneness is there for us. Jesus pictures a dwelling place that he'll take us to so that where I am, there you may be also. Where Jesus is, we are also. So at this time, I think this is the deep place we are called to go. To know that in the same way that Jesus is with God and God is with him, Jesus is with us. And Jesus tells the disciples that night that they already know the way to this deep place of abiding with him. Our friend Thomas, uh, thinking perhaps of a physical house for God that requires a physical map to get there, says in the beginning, whoa, I don't know where you're going, and we don't know the way. And I imagine Jesus's comforting arms wrapping around his disciples and saying, yes, you already do know the way because you know me. He cradles Thomas's confusion and lovingly says, it's me. I am the way. I am the truth, in a sense, the truth that sets us all free. I am the life, the new life that they will only come to understand with the resurrection and ascension later. And personally, it kills me how much this verse has been ripped out of this intimate expression of God's oneness and eternal presence with us in the world to be used as a battering ram of exclusion. One scholar calls it the most glaring misappropriation and that it stands in contradiction to every other I am statement in John. I am the way, the truth, the life, this is not an indication of God's judgment or exclusion or absence. And no one comes to the Father except through me is not a prohibition. It's a promise. When he's saying nobody comes to God through me, he's not doing a comparative religion discourse. 
he's talking with this intimate group of followers and leaning on the relationship the disciples already have with him. And he's saying, God isn't remote up there, far away and inaccessible. God is here. And you come to God through me, come to me. I am in this world and being in this world, that is how to get to God. By seeing me, seeing the works in this world, we get to God. And guess what? You, my canoeing friends, Jesus says, you're already with God. So declaration to us that I, I hope we can all hear today, this do not let your hearts be troubled is not a declaration of you will not have trouble. No. It's a declaration that we can rest in peace in God's eternal presence with us. That Jesus and God has not abandoned us and will never abandon us, regardless of how we feel about it. My spiritual mentor always used to tell me that God is all about change, about transformation, about giving us the love and the strength and the courage we need in the trials of life of walking with us in the trials of life. Jesus with us, Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life means that it is a way and a truth and a life that is not static. So let us step forward and again, probably push the analogy a little too much, get out of our darn canoes, have the courage to go up the mountains, into unfamiliar landscapes and just trust Jesus. For he is the way, the truth, and the life and is with us and will lead us. Amen.